What's going on, everybody? This is Zach Alvaro here alongside Eric Newman, and this is episode 20 of the Take It Easy Sports Show on ArizonaVarsity.com. Eric, this is a milestone for us, so I want to kind of keep it here just for a second to open up the show. And We do have a good show ahead of you. We're looking back at week one of the Arizona high school football season. We're going to kind of give uh, give a little bit of takeaways from week one. We're going to you know dive into week two stuff going forward. We have some Twitter questions for us, but Eric... Just to start things off, episode 20, it's a pretty special moment for us, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, it basically means that um, this idea that we had, I was never sure, um, and we talked about this on uh, Sandy's podcast. Um, She asked us kind of what got us into the idea of podcasting in general. You know, I always thought we would try it. I never knew that would actually happen. I never knew that we would stay dedicated enough. to do it. And I mean, hopefully it's just 20 of many, many, many more. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we, I feel like we still have a lot of room to grow, but it's gotten a little bit better. We've kind of become a little bit more comfortable, found our flow a little bit more. Um, it's been really fun and, you know, I don't know how many people are listening, but, um, I quite enjoy making them. So, that's really what matters. Yeah, you know, one thing that Ralph really kind of wanted to hammer home with us is we shouldn't care about how many listeners we get. And, you know, I've kind of kind of moved past that. In the first, mm-hmm. you know, couple episodes, I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to see how many people are actually listening to us. Now, quite honestly, even if it is just you and me and Ralph listening <laughs> after this is published, I mean, I just have fun doing it, like you said. Um so, you know, I, I truly believe this is going to be episode 20 of many more. Um, they're just too fun, and especially with football season and other high school sports, and we are going to dive into those as well. Um, you know, it, it really is just a fun time. I mean, you and I literally get to come on here and just talk about sports. That's literally what we want to do for a living, and we're able to do that. So one listener, two listeners, or, you know, 100 listeners, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we've gotten to this point um you know we're gonna kind of change things up a little bit we're gonna i think we're gonna have a little some new music we're gonna um if not on this episode it'll be going forward uh we're gonna kind of be a little bit more relaxed we're not gonna be so you know i guess for lack of a better term professional i guess we're gonna be we're gonna be us we're gonna be who we are and i think we've kind of started to do that especially in the you know i guess episode 10 through now 20 you and I have really kind of been more relaxed doing these. And I think it's going to relate a lot more to our audience, which obviously is mostly the high school community. So uh, big changes ahead, uh, but they're all going to be changes for the better. Um, I really think this show is going to, you know, enter a new era and it starts with this episode right here. And, um, you know, to kind of keep things moving um, week one of Arizona high school football, is now in the books. A long-awaited week one. Eric, how excited were you walking into? I know you're at Hamilton, so how excited were you to walk into that stadium on Friday night? It was awesome. Um, it felt like a little slice of normal. And part of that was because I was at a, a maybe you could call it a quote-unquote premiere game, and there was a bunch of other media there, the cameras. Um There was, I think they did it 25% capacity. So there were some people in the stands. Um, Centennial fans drove out. They travel pretty decently around the state. Um, So they had a good amount in theirs, uh, uh, social distancing up to a point. Um, But it felt good. It was enjoyable because, you know, this is just what we've gotten used to. And it's been a long time since we've covered any live uh high school sporting games. Um, and it's just, you know, it's been what since March, I, I think the last AIA game I covered was, um, mountain Ridge baseball in March. And so it was just weird, but oddly familiar at the same time. Um, it felt like a different experience, but at the same time, something that I'd become used to. Yeah. You know, I, I was at mountain point and, that's a school, obviously, for Awatuki Fiddles News, I cover on a very frequent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and walking in, obviously, temperatures were taken. I had my mask on and everything. But it just, to your point, it felt normal. When I got on the field and I saw everyone warming up, I was like, man, like, I, you know, I, 
I, I kind of realized that we can't take high school sports or sports in general for granted because yeah. obviously that could be taken away as was, you know, the case with Chaparral, unfortunately, it could be taken away literally on a moment's notice. So, um, you know, it, it really is, it, it, it I love it for, I, I'm, I'm kind of stumbling on my words just because it, it's hard to kind of explain how weird and different things were, but then also how normal things felt at the same exact time, watching and covering a game, tweeting everything out. Um, but obviously there were still a lot of restrictions. I know at Mountain Point, I don't even think they made it to 25% capacity because they're not even allowing students to be, you know, on campus at all for games. Uh, so it's literally just parents with, you know, two tickets or something like that. A lot. So there wasn't athlete. the student section. No, no student section or anything. Yeah. So that was the thing at Hamilton. They allowed um, they didn't do the ticket limit. I think they just had a capacity limit. So they had there was a little bit of a student section, which was um, it was weird because they didn't have it wasn't quite the same atmosphere like you know, you're used to when a big play happens, you get a big reaction. Um, and there was some of that, like people cheering, obviously, and everything, but it wasn't that same level of, you know, this, the game I went to, Hamilton Chan or uh, Hamilton Centennial would normally have been um, a huge matchup, probably a packed stands, things like that. And yeah, the, it, the energy wasn't quite the same. There was quite a lot of nervous energy, you could tell, but I mean, it was just glad I was just glad to be back there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the games for what they were. And that is a game. Um, so I'm going to let you go first. Centennial Hamilton. We already know the score. Obviously, Hamilton really kind of surprisingly brought it to Centennial. And I'm not saying it's surprising that Hamilton won. I'm saying it's how they won. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and explain a little bit about that game and what happened? Yeah, so, I mean, the big storyline um, from Hamilton this year was they were already talented last year, open semifinals. Everyone knew that they were going to be one of the favorites this year. And the storyline was uh, Nico Marchial, their new quarterback coming from, over from Colorado. And he played pretty well. He showed some mobility and everything. He had some good runs, uh, a few nice passes. But it was Hamilton's running game that absolutely just carved Centennial. Um five rushing touchdowns, four in the um, in the first half. And then they had a running clock almost the entire second half. Um, Hamilton scored a few minutes into it, and from there it was a running clock, 42-0. Um, and then, it, you know, the, the last... Uh, if Hamilton had kept their starters in, um, almost, uh, I mean, after the first drive, the starters were out. Um, so they almost didn't play the entire second half. So if they had kept them in, it probably could have been even more. Um, but they stopped Centennial's run. Centennial is as good of a running team every year as anybody. Um, and they just could not get anything going on offense. So Hamilton's defense looked awesome. Their running game looked awesome. And they didn't even have to unlock what they had in uh, in Nico Marchial, um and his throwing ability that everyone raves so much about. And I talked to um, I talked to Richard Taylor. I have a feature coming out for Arizona Varsity on you know their kind of ta their takeaways and what the rest of the season hopefully looks like for them. Um, and he said uh, he was he really didn't have a lot to say um, to the guys. He's just like, yeah, we we kind of put this one behind us and move forward. There's not a whole lot you can really even say after it. Um, but yeah, Hamilton looked awesome. And I think Centennial is really going to bounce back. They're a talented team. But, you know, this was this was ultra surprising that they got drubbed this badly. Yeah, you know, Centennial is actually going to um, face Mountain Point, who yeah. I obviously saw Friday night against uh, against Higley. And just to kind of go over that game, you know, Higley did end up winning 26 to 18. Uh, it was actually a very exciting game. Uh, not exactly like super high scoring, but um you know mountain point they're a different team this year um they're battling a ton of injuries right now i mean at least man at least four or five starters are out with injury and there's probably even more than that i'm probably missing some just kind of counting really quick but including Zeroway, right uh the, including the Zeroway, the yep. most popularly recruited player in the state right now for the if you're talking about crazy storylines man 
Um, the fact that this guy hasn't even played a varsity game yet and is getting a ton of power five offers. Good for him, man. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, when you're six foot eight and obviously have the ability to gain weight and play tackle, um, that's going to help you quite a bit. But no, good for him. And he is battling. I think it's a foot injury. So, you know, hopefully he can heal up soon, get on the field and really see. I mean, honestly, when he gets on that field, I, I think he's going to be takeoff. He's going to be a 20 to 30 offer guy already. Um, he might he might get there midway through the season if he's able to, to start going pretty soon here. But um, yeah, I mean, Mountain Point looked good. I mean, some mistakes here and there, but it's, you know, the first week of the season. Higley wasn't perfect either. Uh, the referees threw, I think, 32 flags, which was annoying um some of them were obviously you know they were they were warranted others though they were i think i don't know like there was one the head ref threw a flag on mountain points bench for an unsportsmanlike conduct i don't know what was said if anything at all but it was kind of one of those things where i did hear the ref say no you said you know you said something to me so i don't know if it was like you know first game jitters for the refs or they're just not used to you know getting you know the the usual banter from coaches but you know, at some point, I feel like you just got to let him play, but I'm not a referee. So, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, Kai Milner did his thing when he needed to. He was I know it wasn't his best performance in his career, but when he needed first downs, when he needed to step up for his team, he did. And ultimately, you know, Higley's defense came up big. They stopped Mountain Point on the two yard line uh, four consecutive plays. Which, which would have potentially given Mountain Point a chance to go for a two-point conversion and tie the game. And then with about a minute and a half left, Mountain Point got another shot. They were, you know, in their own territory. And again, a fourth down stop. Higley got him and, um, yeah, ended up winning the ball game. It was, it was good, though. It was really good, especially for two teams that have kind of been written off. I mean, obviously, Mountain Point had a tough year last year. Higley lost a ton of seniors. These two teams aren't really being talked about too much, and especially with Higley, they're they're being counted out big time. Um, so it was it was kind of nice to see, you know, I guess those stereotypes not be, you know, completely true when it comes to these two teams. So uh, I'm excited to see how they progress throughout the season. Obviously, Mountain Point's got a really tough matchup next week with Centennial, and I'm sure they're going to be mad. But um, you know, Mountain Point seemed eager to you know, get back to the drawing board, fix their mistakes, and then go from there. Yeah, man, I think that uh, that game is going to be awesome, that Mountain Point Centennial game. Both teams are kind of are coming off a loss, but Mountain Point really proved something, as you said. Um, I I think that they, in a lot of ways, like, like you've said, kind of feel underrated. Um, that's a program with a lot of history and a lot of talented players, and I just I think that both of those teams are going to be OK, Higley and Mountain Point. I think they're going to surprise some people a little bit. I agree. Yeah, I that that's been kind of my take ever since I first saw Mountain Point this summer. Just the amount of athletes they have. And if they can find a way to, you know, even just go two and two in this four game stretch before they get some of the transfers eligible and some of these guys healthy, um, you know, they could really. uh they could really surprise a lot of teams with how much talent they truly have. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Traquan Holmes. He transferred from uh, Las Vegas to Mountain Point, actually. Uh, senior, unfortunately, did go down last night with what looked like a knee injury. Now, I haven't heard any updates there, but hoping for the best, hoping it wasn't anything too serious. Um you know, I think I did see him on crutches after the game, but that could have just been a precaution thing. I really don't know. But, uh, you know, wishing him the best, uh, just a very talented player and would have had a huge year, I think, for Mountain Point. I mean, he's I think he's listed at like six foot one, but he looks bigger than that for sure. Um, and he had that really great catch from Amir Boyd. I think it was kind of like a I want to say it was like a back shoulder throw near the end zone. I can't remember exactly. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I did post it on my Twitter. So. Um, yeah, really, really tough to see a player go down, especially a senior after waiting so long for the season to actually start. Um, you hate to see that. So wishing him the best. Definitely. Um, Eric, uh, we're recording this on Saturday, October 3rd. So it is one day after the first week of the season. Um, little local news. 
Brock Purdy and Iowa State just took down Spencer Rattler and number 18 Oklahoma to give them their second loss in a row. Uh, Looked like a really good game, 37-30. For some reason, I did not really watch it. Um, So, but probably because I don't have my cable hooked up yet because we just moved, but uh, I could have watched on online. So that's my fault, but um, (laughs) yeah, kind of, uh, it looks like, it looks like Brock did pretty well too. I'm going to pull up the stats here really quick. Uh, Let's see. Spencer Rattler, 25 of 36 for 300 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Uh, Brock Purdy, 12 of 24, 254 yards and a touchdown. So, um, Looks like the rushing attack for both teams. Uh, I guess no. Spencer Rattler kind of for the two. Uh, Pass to Jeremiah Hall. Then Brock Purdy um, had the one, like I said. And then uh, he also had one on the ground, it looks like, as well. So he accounted for two total touchdowns. And then oh, actually Spencer accounted for three total with one rushing as well. So good showing for both quarterbacks from Arizona, especially um, obviously two that are uh, you know, preseason, I guess, in the running for the Heisman. So always good to see two quarterbacks, especially from Arizona, or two players, I should say, that are doing their thing at the college level. And unfortunately, they just had to play each other. Yep. It's uh, it's awesome, like we've said before, to see um, some of the guys that, you know, we got to see when they were in high school now doing great at the next level. Uh, and I was watching Texas earlier today where it's got Bajan Robinson and they've got Jake Smith who got a touchdown. Um, how about locally? Um, we kind of talked about the games that you and I saw, um, but, you know, we cover the whole state. What have you, what scores or what stood out to you? Um, were there any storylines or what games kind of surprised you a little bit or stand out to you? Um, there were a couple. So the Hamilton score, like I already said before, was pretty surprising. Um, I think Boulder Creek is going to be much better than people thought they were. Uh, Castile, I want to say it was a comeback victory for them. 36-35, Castile did win. Um, I think one of the most surprising scores for me personally, though, was definitely Corona Del Sol 28 nothing over Desert Vista. Same thing. Um, that was, when I heard that score, I was... My jaw kind of dropped a little bit. I was very surprised, but Desert Vista is a very young team. Um, so there may be some growing pains there, but I think they're going to end up figuring it out here sooner rather than later. I mean, Dan Hines and that coaching staff is way too good not to figure it out. Um, I was also very surprised, and I, maybe I shouldn't be, but Notre Dame Prep, 28-10 over Brophy. I, that one, I saw that score, and I think when I saw it at the time, it was like 28 to like, three or something like that or whatever it was and i was like whoa wait a minute am i reading that right but that 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 one surprised me a little bit yeah definitely that was a uh they really took it to him um and i wonder if brophy has struggled early because you know they were one of the last teams to actually get back out playing and everything um but notre dame prep really took it to him um and that's the first time the teams have ever played and you know Notre Dame prep. Um, they're the smaller school. Um, they're the lower division five, a, as opposed to six, a, but they, they played great. Um, and I, you know, I obviously couldn't watch it, but I was really surprised by that one that took me, um, by surprise was sunrise mountain, 48 cactus seven, uh, Peoria teams. And obviously, uh, sunrise mountain, um, they're a 5A school as opposed to Cactus's 4A. A big difference in the amount of kids at the school and everything. Um, but Cactus was Cactus is probably one of 4A's best teams. Um, even after this, I still think they will be. But Sunrise took it to them, man. Um, and that team is... They've got a lot of seniors that have played for several years. Um, they're big everywhere. I think this really shows something. Even though it's a win over a 4A school for them, um, it's a big deal to beat Cactus by that much. How about Gilbert over Millennium, 24-7? to 7? Crazy, too. Yeah, they, they played in the first round last year. Yeah, yeah, Millenn- yeah. Gilbert got the revenge over Millennium. And I know Millennium obviously lost a lot of seniors, and Gilbert... Um, well, Gilbert's without the plumbers for the first time in, what, six or seven years Long now at this time. point? Um, but, man, Gilbert did their thing. 
good for good for Coach Zellner over there. Uh, I'm looking at 4A scores right now. Nothing that really stood out to me very much. Um, but 3A, or I'm sorry, at the 2A level, Santan Charter. Um, obviously, Coach Kerry Taylor. Um, I I I still think this is going to be one of the better 2A teams once they kind of figure things out. But Santa Cruz Valley, 61 to zero. Um, what were your thoughts on that one? You know, I haven't been able to see either team. Um, I don't know much about Santan Charter, and I don't know much about San, Santa Cruz Valley. But the fact that they were ranked number one and two um, preseason shows that there's some projected talent on um, both rosters. And to win 61-0, is, it either means that uh, Santan Charter was way overrated or that Santa Cruz Valley is just that much better or maybe a combination of both. Um, I, I just, I don't know. You don't see it drubbing that much of a, of a number two team. Yeah. And one other one too, at the same level that I wanted to ask you about specifically, Scottsdale Christian 49 to 14 over Trivium prep. Yeah. Didn't Trivium have some crazy regular season win streak going. This is the first, um, regular season loss they've had in two a, um, since, since 2017, um, they moved up to 2A in 2018. Uh, and, you know, they had some turnover. They, uh, new quarterback, new running back. Last year's running back had over 2,000 yards. Um, so it was kind of a, a retooling for them. Um, a lot of new starters, and they'd never played this team before. And Scottsdale Christian's tough. Um, so I think that's just it. They're, they'll be okay, Trivium. Um, Mm -hmm. this is a wake up call. They, they had a, they fumbled on the first, uh, kickoff. Um, they, they had the, they received the ball to start and fumbled the return, which just, you, you start off the game like that and it's never a good sign. Um, so, you know, uh, maybe, maybe they were closer or maybe Scottsdale Christian just kind of dropped them. Um, but I think they'll be all right. And maybe this is a, this is just a good sign for Scottsdale Christian. Um, yeah. and streaks are interesting because eventually they have to end. Um, mm-hmm. so I think Michael Spencer, the coach over there, will have his kids ready and they'll use this as a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of teams that had either a loss or big losses, especially are going to use obviously week one as a learning experience, especially when there wasn't a ton of time to really prepare for the games either. Um, in terms of hitting and everything, not necessarily the time, because obviously there's more time than usual, but uh, you are still very limited. Um, before you and I move on to week two and what we're kind of looking forward to as far as uh, the schedule goes there, we do have quite a few Twitter questions, actually. Actually, So usually we ask Twitter questions when we have someone as a guest on our podcast. Uh, this week, because Eric and I knew that we were going to pretty much just be going over week one and everything that ha- that happened. Um, I was going to say happened. I don't know why I was going to say that weird, but um, we decided to just ask anyone, you know, for questions, you know, questions to ask us. I stumbled on that one. Um, so it could be anything from food to week one to I don't I mean, really anything. And we do have quite a few. So, Eric, I'm going to read the first one off. It's going to come from Chris Eaton, Gridiron, Arizona, you know, obviously part of Arizona Varsity. Um, Going to go with a food question. Now, he does have two. So one of them is about football. One of them is about food. So with no state fair this year, um, he asked, what is the best fair food? I have a two-part answer to this. Um, Go for it. And one is a kind of a, a snack food that you can eat for sustenance uh, or maybe a sh- I should say more of a meal ish food. Um, and the other one is more of a dessert type thing. Um, my favorite thing to get is a Turkey leg at a fair. Um, if they do it right, a Turkey leg, it lasts you forever. Um, or a drumstick, I should say it lasts forever. It's, delicious the flavor's great and i don't eat turkey that much in my regular life um besides maybe like on a sandwich or whatever but you can just munch on a turkey leg for a long time it's like a um it's a project so i enjoy that and the flavor is obviously great and the best 
tasting thing I've ever had um, was, I don't know that they do this everywhere, but I had a deep fried Oreo. Um, and I can't eat too many of those because I'll uh, become 800 pounds. But this thing was just, <laughs> it was delectable, man. This was in Wisconsin um, at an Oktoberfest they had there. And it was, it was tremendous. What's your favorite uh, fair food? So I haven't been to the state fair in years. Um, I just, I'm not, I don't know. Like people say I'm very outgoing, but like when it comes to stuff like that, I just, I really don't have any desire to do it. Like anything like the state fair or any of those like haunted houses or like, um, you know, just things yeah. like, like attractions, like, like Sun Splash, for example, or, you know, Big Surf. Like, I don't like those big attractions where there's a lot of people there. I don't know what it is. So like, that's why, like when it came to the whole quarantine thing, I was like, eh, I'm all right. Um, <laughs> but so I, so I haven't been to the state fair in a while. Um, I think I was probably only like 12 last time I went wow. and I'm 26. So that, that says something right there. But, um, I will say right off the bat, I'm not a huge fan of Turkey, even on Thanksgiving. Um, so I don't think I would choose a Turkey leg. But one thing that I do really enjoy, and um, I got the, I think the last time I had it was probably four or five years ago. I think I ended up going to like Schnepp Farms or something like that for, it was either like during like Christmas time or Halloween time or whatever. I don't even remember. Um, but funnel cakes. Funnel I cake love a good funnel cool. cake. I love a good funnel cake. And I'm assuming that counts as fair food, correct? Yeah, definitely. Where else would you get a okay. funnel cake? That's true. We'll see because the last time I got it, it wasn't even at a fair. That's why I asked. Yeah. But um, I do love a good funnel cake. Um, and then I've always wanted to try the deep fried Oreos. But to your point, um, I feel like I couldn't really eat that many of them because I'm not a huge fan of like, like I can't eat too many fried foods. Um like like just for some reason like i can eat like junk food obviously like you know because who can't um but like when it comes to fried food specifically like even if i go to like a restaurant or whatever like i can't i can only eat so many like chicken tenders for example before i just i start to just get like a weird like not even like a sick feeling but just like like ugh, like i just feel gross you know what i mean yeah um I don't know. It's just, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have, but I, you know, I wish I had that problem for all junk foods, um, but I don't, unfortunately. Well, the um, thing about the deep fried Oreo is that you just, um, uh, I had one and it was enough yeah. to hold me over. I probably won't ever have one again. Like it was an interesting experience and it was delicious, but it's not yeah. something I need to recreate in my life. Like I'm not going to yeah. fry my own Oreo or anything like that. Yeah. So like I, like for me personally, like I just, like, I don't know, like, I th- it, maybe it is just like the grease that comes with fried foods that I just can't really do very much. Um, I don't know, it's just weird. But yeah, I think I, w- I think I could have one and then I'd be good for years, honestly, yeah. just because I'd probably feel so gross after anyway, I'd probably try to go work out and then end up like making myself sick anyway. So um, yeah, I don't know. But like I said, I kind of wish I had that problem with all foods, but I don't, sadly. <laughs> um. So. So let's get into another Twitter question. Uh, obviously, you can get us talking about food. Um, so, oh God, yeah, future, that's bad. <laughs> uh, so I'm getting one from AJ Morgan writes Andrew Morgan, the uh, the new intern with Arizona Varsity. Um, Does a great job, by the way. That simulation for Chaparral Saguaro was so cool. Yeah, that was fun. Um, he's he's a student at Boulder Creek, um, and to do some of the stuff and the ideas for just a high school students, really cool. Um, so he asked after what we've seen in week one, who's going to make some waves, who's on the come up. So were there any teams to you that, um, you know, we talked about some of the surprising things, but Mm -hmm. who, who kind of surprised you and kind of showed you something, um, for the rest of the season? You know, one team that I don't want to say people forget about, but they are very often overlooked is Shadow Ridge. And I don't know a lot about Shadow Ridge, admittedly. Um, now, based on like my schedule and how I'm doing games this year, obviously kind of being a one-man team, um, I am being asked by my bosses to cover Awatuki teams mostly, which if I continue to do like Mountain Point, then Desert Vista, then Mountain Point, then Desert Vista, 
I will actually be seeing Mountain Point travel to take on Shadow Ridge, which is obviously a very long drive. I'm not looking forward to, but start. Um, you know, yeah, I, yeah. It's like when Ralph leaves to go anywhere from Maricopa, he's got to leave like two, like you know, a day early or something. Um, but I, you know, I think it was Chili that I even said it that you know he that Shadow Ridge is gonna mess around and go seven and one or seven and two. And I think maybe some of that has to do with just a favorable schedule. But I think mostly it's just the fact that they're just a better team than they have been in years past. And it's kind of exciting because, you know, with such a weird year, I would love to see teams that no one saw coming all of a sudden break through and make the playoffs or play spoiler for other teams or, you know, do all this. I think it just makes for more exciting games, especially because, I mean, let's be honest. Centennial and Hamilton are two very good teams, but was it fun covering a blowout like that? No, it was awful. It wasn't a fun game. Exactly. Exactly. See, I had fun, even though my back was hurting because I was just moving all day. I had a lot of fun covering Higley and Mountain Point because it was a genuinely exciting game. Um, and Shadow Ridge beat Basha 41-31. Now, Basha's very young, freshman quarterback, a lot of freshmen starting at positions, but... I think that could be, you know, the turning point for the Shadow Ridge program, and I'm excited to see what they can do going forward. Yeah, definitely. They've got Westwood next week. That's a winnable game. Um, yeah, they've got. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Their first four games are all at home, um, which is which is an advantage. Then they play three on the road, which is tough. But um, they could definitely be one loss or undefeated going into. I, I guess we'll see how they do against Mountain Point, but they could be doing they could be doing really well heading into the last few games of the year. But then they play at Boulder Creek versus Mountain Ridge, and then the the battle of surprise at Valley Vista. Um, so that'll be it'll be tough to see. Um, or what I mean is it'll be tough to keep that going uh, against some good teams at the end. But they could definitely be a team that surprises someone. Um, yeah, and the game the team that really stood out to me uh who's making a move to me is corona um and they weren't in the play or were they were the last seed in the playoffs last year um yeah ended up getting beat pretty badly in the first round but to beat desert vista who was in last year's semifinals and despite being young has some talent on that team Mm -hmm. blanking them uh 28-0 is is wild um that show that shows a lot about um that squad and i think they could um they could show some people yeah and i haven't seen stats from that game yet but i'll be interested to see how corona shut out desert vista was it you know was it them just getting the stop at the right time and devin grub still you know had a decent amount of yards on the ground was it just flat out domination on corona's part where desert vista just could not get anything going on offense i think it'll be very interesting to see that when and if stats come out for that game um moving on a little bit another question actually comes from andrew morgan and then i do want to get back to uh chris eaton's other question as well before i move on to the other ones but uh, top performers for week one. Anybody have a crazy stat line is what Andrew asks. And I'm going to go ahead and take this one. And I may be stealing your thunder a little bit here. Um, but how about Desert Edge between just Adrian Lara and Gerald McIntosh? 430 yards of offense. And for those of you that don't know, obviously, Adrian is the, the Scorpions quarterback. And then McIntosh is their running back. McIntosh had 191 yards on the ground and a touchdown on 22 carries. And then obviously Adrian Lara, he only attempted 13 passes, completed 10 of them, five touchdowns and 240 yards. And that's not even counting anyone else who may have come into the game for Desert Edge when they were already up pretty big. But just those two players, 430 yards of offense, that's insane. Yeah, man. Um, They played Canyon View. That's Canyon View's first varsity uh, football game in program history. That's a tough way That's to start. That's a tough way to start, but the only, only way to go from there is up, right? Um, yeah. But no, definitely. And they're, I think their JV played pretty well, didn't they, against Desert yeah, Edge? Wasn't it a close game? They had some decent kids coming up. It's hard to build a program. And Desert Edge is yeah. one of the best teams um, in the area. So 
you know, everyone kind of figured that would be a loss for Canyon View there and that Desert uh, Desert Edge would look really good. Um, but yeah, those those were some awesome ones. You didn't take mine, though. Um, someone that stood out to me um, was in Greenway. Uh, they beat Moon Valley 49-0, to zero, uh, rivalry game there, but they took it to him. Christian Johnson, their running back, 323 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Um, that's, that's wild. Anytime you have, oh, uh, over a hundred's a good game over 200's a great game and over three, uh, over 300 just doesn't even make sense to me. That's wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he was their workhorse back last year. I had some awesome stats, but if he can put up even a little bit close to what he did, uh, last night, he's going to have an awesome year and Greenway looks really good. Um, so that's my, yeah. Thing. You know, I always, whenever I think of yards and, you know, yards passing, yards rushing, whatever, I always kind of break it down and think, okay, when I'm at practice for football and we're running 100-yard sprints or whatever, let's say, for example, going back to to Adrian and Gerald, 430 yards. That's literally, you know, down and back, down and back, and then to the 30-yard line. Yeah. And think about, so when you, when, Think about running it with no one in front of you and you can go at like a leisurely pace and then think about what you would be like in a game when you have people chasing after you, trying to tackle you, you know, you have to get up and then go right back and line up. And then, you know, that that's a ton of yards to get when someone is trying to stop you from getting those yards. I know it's kind of a weird corny way to, to, to like look at it, but you know, for me, whenever I'm like, oh man, only a hundred yards rushing, I'm like, oh, wait a minute or 100 yards passing, I should say. I'm like, wait a minute. That's actually a lot because even just one trip down a football field, I mean, I mean, you know, maybe not like too tiring, but think about when someone's in front of you trying to stop you. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. It's uh, football's a tough game, and it takes not just the players themselves offensively to do these things. Obviously, the O-line, and it's the scheme and everything, but you know, at a certain point, they just have to be awesome to be able to do that type of thing. Um, yeah. So let's move yeah. on to the let's move on to the next question. Um, yep. Coming from uh, Chris Eaton again. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, Chris Eaton, Gridiron, Arizona. He asks, aside from the games you covered, what was your biggest takeaway from Week One? You and I have already kind of covered this, so um, I think you and I pretty much both agree at this point that it is going to be, um, you know, Corona del Sol, obviously looking much better than in years past and looking like a team that could break through. And, you know, I don't know if the, if the schedule's right, they could, I mean, they could go undefeated. I mean, we could see Corona, you know, and I, I don't have their schedule right in front of me immediately, but I mean, this is a team that could really make some noise and it looks like, Man, a pretty favorable schedule. They got Basha next week. They got Skyline, Mesa, Mountain Point, Dobson, Westwood, and Mountain View. This we could be look. We could be talking about an undefeated Corona del Sol team uh, come November twentieth or November twenty first. Eric, I mean, they they really have to prove a lot uh, for me to go to that point. But yes, I mean, it's it's a possibility. Um, the new region helps them. They've got some teams in it that haven't been winning teams over the last few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely see them having another successful season and um, whether it's an undefeated run or what um, they could make, they could make a spot in that eight game six, uh, a playoffs or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely is going to, it looks good for them to start off. Um, and I mean, it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to be too surprised by this, but Chandler looked great in their game over Liberty. They they marked him. Yeah. Um, and everyone was expecting yeah. Chandler to be good again. Um, they're as good as anybody in the state. But, um, I mean, that's a, that's a storyline is they don't seem to have lost too much. Yeah. I mean, I would even argue that when you're talking about best teams in the state, I think you have to compare everyone else to Chandler yeah. rather than saying Chandler's, you know, as good as anyone in the state. I think – you know, for example, I think Hamilton's could be possibly as good as Chandler because Chandler, I mean, when you're a four time state champion, you, you, have, you know, you have the right to say that you are the cream of the crop in the state until someone else proves you wrong. So um, one more from Andrew Morgan. Uh, 
pretty much what we've already covered after what we've seen in week one, who's going to make some waves, who's on the come up um, again, Corona, Shadow Ridge. Um, you mentioned Greenway. Um, there's there's a lot of teams. Uh, Boulder Creek is one of them. There's a lot of teams that are going to be much better Mountain Point than in the years past. And I could keep on, you know, having these random teams pop into my head, but. I think 2020 is going to be exciting for for prep football. Definitely. Um, a team that I actually wanted to talk about, and it leads well into one of the questions we have. Um, but Mountain Ridge won their game pretty heavily. Um, they beat uh, a team from Mesa. They beat Skyline. Um, and Jacob Saliga, um, class 2021, or 2021, yeah, out there at Mountain Ridge, uh, he asks us, thoughts on Mountain Ridge after week one? Uh, and what's one dish you absolutely need at each cookout? Um, and I'll take. Hang on, can I can I can I jump in here real quick? Yes, sir. J- Jacob, come on, man. If you're class of 2020, 2021 at Mountain Ridge, of course we're gonna say good things about it. We want you to come back and keep listening, and ask us questions every single week. Definitely. Um, yeah, Mountain Ridge. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully he's listening. Shout out to you. Uh, Mountain Ridge won forty three to thirteen over skyline um their quarterback brendan anderson had over had over 300 yards five scores um total and you know they looked they looked great uh, i watched a highlight film of that game um they looked pretty dominant and it was this game last year they started off against skyline after going 0 and 10 the year before um and you know they had a new coach in doug Mandowski. They had a whole crop of uh, seniors that were really heavy, uh, really wanting to get something new started at that program. And they beat Skyline last year um, at home, and it started this winning streak that really seemed to just rejuvenate Mountain Ridge football to a point that now that they're they're a competitive team um, and they've got some winners on the squad. So I could, I think it just is more of the same. It's showing that, Last year wasn't just a blip, um, and then Mountain Ridge is here to stay. But I'm going to toss to you first for the second part of his question. What is one thing you can't have or you can't not have at a cookout, Zach? Oh, man. Um, This is actually a really tough one. I kind of wish you didn't put me on the spot. I'll give you mine for a second to think about it. Um, Well, so 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 let me let me. Let me say this. So I'm going to think about something that I truly enjoy with a cookout and one that I think needs to be with a cookout. And I'm assuming by cookout, we're talking like burgers and hot yeah, dogs. And that's stuff, what correct? I'm taking it as. Okay. So one baked beans, I feel like baked beans go with everything when it comes to hot dogs and hamburgers. Um, I'm not particularly a huge fan of baked beans, but I feel like that's something that you're going to find pretty much everywhere. So I'll let you answer your part and then I will think about it. For so a I'm, I think I might be out of the box here with the answer I have. Um, there's a lot of awesome meats you can have. You need to have the right sauce as part of it. Um, but okay. I won't pick the, uh, I won't pick in particular because people like a different barbecue sauce, sweet baby rays, um, whatever one you make up. But I think a thing that's super important to have is some sort of chip or some sort of like light snack um, it could be Cheez-Its or whatever you want it to be that the cook or that people can eat before the main barbecue food comes out. Um, and for me, I, I usually, when I'm at a barbecue, I, I like being the cook. Um, I like being on the grill. And for me, it's usually hot Cheetos or just some sort of snacky food that kind of holds you over. Um, because if you if you eat, or if you're too hungry while you're grilling, you might go too fast or you might turn up the heat too high and mess up your food. You need to be hungry, but not so hungry that you're starting to mess up your cooking. Um, so that is Eric's out of the box answer to that question is some sort of snack food to eat while the main okay. stuff's cooking. Okay. I can respect that. Um, I'm going to go with, man, now that I've had time to think about it, I keep coming back to macaroni and cheese. It's a good one. And not like craft. I'm talking homemade, 
I mean, you don't not homemade noodles, but homemade cheese sauce and all that macaroni and cheese. And my aunt makes the best. So I'm going to revert to that. Or I also really like the mac and cheese that has like the breadcrumbs on top. You That's know? what I was going to ask you is bread. Yeah, no. I, I feel like I feel like whenever you have that, it just goes really well with like a barbecue sandwich or something like that. Yep. Are you do you, I know this isn't part of the question itself, but it's making me think about it. Do you have a favorite meat you like on the grill? Because mine is brisket. Mm. Brisket is a one. So, so if we're talking like cookout as in like barbecue, then brisket for sure. Um, but if we're talking like cookout, like I said before, like just the classic burgers, hot dogs, like kind of like the, I think it's like the Memorial Day cookout that usually people do, like the burgers, hot dogs, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, then. In that case, I do prefer a very, very good burger on the grill. And I mean, like, you know, not like the frozen patties, obviously. Um, but I'm always a sucker when it comes to steak on the grill. I just think yeah. there's nothing better than that, honestly. Yeah, I agree. But that's that's not really cookout food, necessarily. That's like a little bit nicer, you know, take it inside and have a nice dinner type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least in my opinion. Um, are you, when you grill out are you the one cooking or do you like to just chill and let someone else do the work what's your role it depends so i do actually enjoy it because i like to you know obviously look at my food that i'm gonna eat yeah, i guess you can say i don't know well like when it especially when it comes to steak i love to cook my own steak because i know what the perfect temperature is for me and i'm, I'm not talking like a thermometer like i just can based on what it looks like i know it's going to be good for my liking and I can eat like a medium steak. I do prefer medium rare, a little bit of pink and everything like that. Um, I actually like my burgers kind of the same way. Um, I don't like burgers that are too well done because in my opinion, they just get a little bit dry. Yeah, they don't taste like anything. Uh, which is, yeah, exactly. Which is obviously the case for any meat. But um, so I do enjoy grilling from time to time. Um, but, you know, since we've been, well, we were in, you know, like a condo townhouse type deal apartment, I guess you can say. So we were actually weren't even allowed to have grills on our patio and they closed down the grills for COVID. So I haven't been able to do that for a while now, but now that we're in a house and again, and we have a grill and all that. I think, I think I'll, I'll kind of go back to doing that. I do like to go and cook myself a steak every once in a while too. Definitely. Um, so we've got a couple more questions. Um, we'll get back yep. to football here. So Brittany Boyer, B Boyer 07 on Twitter ask smaller school question but coronado had so many injuries they had to forfeit to dysart at the half uh what's the future of their program like right now and this caught me off guard i didn't realize that i saw that they lost pretty badly to um dysart who doesn't win a lot of games they went one and nine last season beating only cortez who went oh and ten um and so i mean that's crazy to me i don't really even know that i have the answer to that I don't think I've ever heard yeah. of a program not being able to play because so many people were injured, but this was something we talked about a little bit. Uh, and we, we were hoping it didn't happen, but we were expecting a lot of injuries or the potential for them because there just wasn't that much preparation time. Um, and football in any context sport takes so much time for the body to develop, uh, over the, the season to pl be played well. Um, so I hope Coronado is able to keep playing. Um, but I wonder if because there were so many people uh, injured, if that means that starters uh, or replacements who are already um, not uh, not used to playing that much have to play more roles and then it's dangerous for the next guys coming up. I don't know. It just uh, it's scary to me, uh, the idea that you could have so many people injured that you can't even play. Yeah, and I was just looking at their roster too, and they do have a bunch of names listed without numbers, which could signal, you know, JV players or even some freshmen. I know some of a lot of them that aren't listed with numbers are sophomores, a couple freshmen, and then a couple juniors actually sprinkled in there as well. But if we're looking specifically at players with numbers, they only have 20 players. So I don't know. I mean, I really don't want to speculate um obviously i hate to see a, a program go through something like that if that is the case and i didn't even realize either that 
they had to forfeit at halftime because that score was 43 to zero. So, um, you know, you just, you, you honestly just feel for them because, you know, the, the coaches at the end of the day are trying to protect their team and their players, which I a hundred percent understand. Um, but it really is hard when you have to forfeit a game at halftime just because of injuries and stuff like that. And you, and you really hope especially that they're not too serious of injuries so that way they can come back and complete the season. Definitely. Um, and I think they're they're 3A, right? Yep, they're 3A. Yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously not the biggest school, and it's not the biggest conference, but 3A has some tough teams. Um, yeah. There are some squads with real talent um, that can get recruited to the college level, and so it's not like they're playing a cakewalk schedule. Um, I just, it, it worries me, but we'd have to know more about the situation um, to really, you know, uh, put our diagnosis in or whatever, but you know, it's, I don't, like I said, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Mm-mm, I haven't either. So let's get one more out of the way. We've got our last one, unless I'm missing any, uh, nope, that's it. I think I should ask this one though. I think I should ask it. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> so Greg McAfee, uh, we had him on our show. He does a great job there in Pittsburgh. Um, he asked, what is your best joke, Eric? And I'm going to brace myself for this. Yeah, I mean, I've I, heard some pretty dumb ones. I, I have plenty, but I'm going to keep it. Um, actually, you'll just have to see. Uh, <laughs> so, Zach, what is long, brown, and sticky? Um, One of those giant Tootsie Rolls. A stick. Oh, my God. <laughs> we should have saved that one for the end of the show yeah um i've got plenty of dumb ones uh if you ever want to hear a joke um uh, quote-unquote jokes aren't necessarily my thing i like humor in the moment but that's one of my favorites i also like really long ones i've got a couple that um you can tell for like 15 minutes and then they just have this punchline that makes you groan those are some of my favorites um because like the punchline itself isn't funny um but it's funny for me because I get to see the reaction of people. So, so I want to, I want to hear one more, not a long one, but I want to hear one more from you. You're putting me on the spot. So it depends. We, I know we're not run by a big network. Um, no, I can't tell that joke. You know what? I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, Zach, Um, I was in the advanced math class in middle school and we had a thing called Friday funnies. And on Fridays, it was the last class of the day math. And you could tell a joke if you wanted to, for like the last, like three minutes of the day, you could raise your hand and tell a joke to the class. And I never really, I wasn't a troublemaker in school, but the one time I ever got detention was because I told a naughty joke. um in class and so i got detention because of it um and i came home and i don't know if my dad's listening to this one but i told him because <laughs> he told me the joke um and my dad's got an interesting sense of humor too he was on one of our past podcasts and i told him the joke um and he goes eric you can't do that and immediately started laughing at the prospect that I was stupid <laughs> enough to tell this joke in class. He had to like, um, he, he had to really hold on a stern face to make sure I knew that I shouldn't like have done it, but how funny the idea was that I actually did was. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you can't tell the joke on this podcast. No, that's the one I was thinking about. It just made me think about that. Oh, okay. It's okay. so stupid. <laughs> uh, Can you make a clean version of it, or is it not? No, possible? it's a, it's a, it's a play on words. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we'll let's get to, on we'll to, have the, to get permission from Ralph first. Yeah, we'll, let's get on <laughs> to the rest of the podcast, Zach. Um, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about week two. And uh, yeah. the football season, I mean, it's in full swing now. Um, so do you know where you're going week two? What are you planning on? So I'm planning on heading out to Highland. Uh, Desert Vista is going to be playing there, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, until I'm able to get some freelancers and kind of see what the situation is. Of course, my company 
that I work for times media group is still struggling just a little bit um, with loss and ad revenue, stuff like that. So our budget is a little bit tight, unfortunately. So um, I am kind of a one man team this year. And because of that, I do have to kind of focus on Awatuki schools a little bit more as far as game coverage. Now, future stories, I'll obviously be, you know, covering the whole East Valley. So, um, yeah, Desert Vista at Highland. I know also uh, it is Marquise Cooper night at Highland, which wow. is very interesting and kind of, I don't want to say necessarily sentimental to me, but I actually was at Highland. I played for Highland when Marquise Cooper passed away. Um, I remember putting the... Um, the MC, I think it was MC 23. I could be wrong on the number. Forgive me if I am, but we put numbers or I'm sorry, stickers on our helmets in honor of Marquise. Um, and then Alicia Holman, who did have a son in the Highland program has done a great job the last four years now putting together this Marquise Cooper event. And I think Bruce Cooper, obviously who just retired after a very great career with, uh, with channel 12, um, I think he's been he's been to all the ceremonies in the past. Um, I don't know if that's going to change with COVID, obviously, just for all the restrictions and everything. But I think it'll be an emotional night. Um, this will be the first time that I'm going to be in person for it. And again, I didn't really have a ton of connections with Marquise. But, you know, being in that program and knowing who he was and everything he did and how good he was for Highland. Um, it was it was it was definitely a, a weird and sad time when he did pass away, and I was you know obviously at Highland for that game, or I'm sorry for that for with that team I should say. Um, so I think I think that'll be you know a very emotional night to say the least for for some people because even if you don't have that connection, I think it's still going to be just one of those things where if you are like me who obviously has a connection to Highland. Um, you know, you you obviously feel that pain that obviously the Cooper family has and still probably does as well. Definitely. Um, and in just the game itself, Desert Vista's uh, got to come back from their loss against Corona. Yeah. Highland's not going to make it yeah. easy for them. Uh, Highland, no, made... Highland, Highland beat Desert Ridge twenty-one nothing. Yeah. Um, so two teams that one got shut out and the other one pitched a shutout. Um, so we'll see. That's going to be a really interesting one. Um, Desert Vista going 0-2 is unlike what they're used to uh, in the past few yeah. years as well. Um, so they're going to fight like hell to make sure that doesn't actually happen. I'm going out to... Yeah. Um, so I'm actually planning... We've got a Thursday game this week that I want to go see. Uh, Washington at Deer Valley. Two teams that both actually won this week. Deer Valley doesn't hasn't won a lot of games the last couple years um but and neither is washington they're not bad um but both kind of middle of the road teams but a winner of that will be two and oh a great start to a season in 4a where there's only seven games um and then on friday i'll be at peoria versus cactus uh awesome rivalry game two 4a schools that have high hopes they both lost week one um so this will be a chance to get some momentum, but also beat a bitter rival. So that's going to be an awesome one. Yeah. I'm just kind of looking at the schedule too. Saguaro at Brophy is going to be interesting. Um, obviously, Saguaro was supposed to play Chaparral. Chaparral, unfortunately, had a positive case of COVID. So that game was canceled. Um, but, uh, you know, other games too. I mean, I think Mesquite Sunrise Mountain is going to be incredible. Uh, two very good teams going at it. Obviously, one is 4A, one is 5A, but um, I don't think that's going to make too much of a difference with this matchup especially. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be a really good one. Um, that was, if I wasn't going to this Peoria Cactus game because it's such an awesome rivalry, that's one I would at least consider going to. Um, and Mesquite looked pretty good in their win. Uh, Sunrise Mountain obviously looked great in theirs. And yeah, that's going to be... You throw Ty Thompson out there, um, and he can win you a game just because of his awesome play. Yeah, definitely. Um, Eric, I think that's a good point for us to wrap things up. Thank you all again for listening. Again, this was the 20th episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show. We can't thank all of you enough for the support and letting us, you know, obviously 
into your uh, your headphones for at least an hour or an hour and a half every week. So uh, we couldn't do without you guys, obviously, again, giving us the outlet to just talk sports, talk food, uh, make dumb, corny jokes. Um, it's all in good fun, and, and we, we definitely have a good time doing it. Uh, give us all a follow on social media at Zach Elvira on Twitter, at E. Newman Writes on Twitter, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. Football is back. Week one was was fantastic. A lot of great games, a lot of shocking games. And uh, I personally can't wait for week two, and we'll see what happens. And we'll we'll recap week two a little bit. We are going to have Ralph Amson joining us uh, next week as well. Um, kind of a recap, and we're going to see what he thinks about our uh, – our 20 or 21 episodes by the time of that recording. So it'll be kind of fun. He's a, he was our first guest and we're going to bring him back for this new era of the take it easy sports show. The pod father uh, again, of Arizona. Um, the pod father. Yes. I love it. Brought so um, many different podcasts and shows in the last year um, to our site. Um, and he's the leader of all of it. Absolutely. Uh, but with that said, again, my name is Zach Alvaro. Eric Newman is, always joins me. And, you know, this wouldn't be the Take It Easy Sports Show without the two of us together. So thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next week. Don't be stingy.